You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following statement. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Yes. Not only do I think it would make a sound, but it would be at least 20 dB louder than it was during sound check. Welcome back to Sickles Noise Podcast. I'm Chris Leonard. Culture inside, what is going on? Uh, hanging out. Had to make some dinner real quick. I'm excited about tonight's podcast. I'm actually excited that I'm living in the future. Now that I've thought about it for a few seconds since we just started, <laughs> it is so cool to live in the future. Yeah, I mean, th- so this is... Our time is now. Yeah, really. it is. Episode 101. Episode 101. Yes. And, you know, look, we've had some amazing stuff happening. We, we just gave away console, microphones, all this stuff. Um, and we figured, so what's next? We have to improve the podcast. So we have to cut the fat. So we got rid of Michael, yep. right? We 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 took Done. the best parts of the old Done. stuff. So we kept you and I, um, and fucking stop yep, it. Yep. And and honestly, quite frankly, you know, Michael's been bringing along Hannah Goodine, um, and you know, we said screw it, we're gonna keep Hannah and and drop Michael. So Hannah, great replacement. Welcome. welcome to, Hello. To the yeah. <laughs> Yay. Happy so. to be the replacement. <laughs> yeah, no. So, Michael, I, I pre- now we're still going to have Michael edit all of this. We want him to make him work for it. You know, we appreciate all he did, but he's got to continue serving in the background. But, uh, you know, if you want to get to him, nah, we're <laughs> kidding. Michael will be back next episode. But anyway, this is Michael's like crying right now. He's actually working, which is a good problem to have. Uh, but he was upset. This is his first episode in 100 episodes that he hasn't been on. So that's crazy. Wow. First one. Yeah. He did it. And he's working a gig sending us pictures being like, man, <laughs> damn. Yep. So we had to rub it in a little bit. Cool. Um, are we playing arm's reach? Oh, yes. Length game? Go tonight? for it. Hannah, what, what, what is something interesting within arm's reach of you? A book to teach me how to crochet. Interesting. <laughs> Very unaudio related, but Hot. that's what I got. Hot right now. Hot on TikTok. <laughs> Bohemian. Dude, crocheting is where it's at. Never tried it before. It's I want crocheted. Kyle, what, what's my mom used to do? What, it all what's time. in front of you? Um, I'm gonna go with the food selection tonight. Tonight I have a tray from the one and only Taco Cabana. Nice. So if you've ever been to Taco Cabana out uh, towards the west side, it's only left in a few states. I think Albuquerque, some West Texas. Uh, I have a chicken sandwich, and I'm topping it I, off. I hear the chicken sandwich. With a bag of Starburst. <laughs> Yeah. I have a tape measure. Now, this is going to look cooler or better to anyone who can see this, which is only the four of us. It is a cassette tape that is no a That's tape cool. measure. Yeah, it's, it, it's no a way. cassette tape really that pulls cool. out. That's a tape measure. So, anyway. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, well, tell you what. Let me walk on to our guest, and then we can see what's in his arm length. So, Chris, <laughs> Demon, Chris Demonbrian. Did I, did I say that right? 
Demombrian. Damn it. I knew I was going to screw it up. It's okay. Demombrian. Um, He is uh, is from Nashville. Um, Some of recent tours, uh, last couple years, Zach Brown Band, Chris Young, Randy Hauser, Imagine Dragons, some Brooks and Dunn, some older dates with uh, Oak Ridge Boys and and, and others. Um, Currently working with Sound Image. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you for having me. Yay. So, Chris, what is is something (laughs) cool within arm's reach of you? Oh, well, I have this lovely Ooh. bottle of Jameson single barrel. There you go. Yeah. Yes. <coughs> That's good. <laughs> I like the single barrel. I like that 12-year, too. Yes, I like the 12-year, too, and I found that out the hard way. Um, I, was on a, uh-huh. I was on a cruise uh, with, a, with a, a country band and uh, did a show, you know, uh, got done, went to this jazz lounge that they had, and didn't even look at the drink menu. Like, lady came over and was like, what do you want? I'm like, you got Jameson? She's like, sure. I'm like, cool. I was like, I'll do Jameson on the rocks. So she brings me Jameson on the rocks, and I just, just start pounding them. Like, it's like, man, it's like, this is, this is, you know, this is awesome. Like, cool jazz music. And just, these are delicious. Yeah, I was like, man, it's, it's going down so good. And then, then I was like, okay, cool. I'll take my tab. And I brought my tab, and I was like, oh. Oh, and I opened up the drink menu and looked, and the Jameson that they had there was 12-year. So I had a pretty expensive bar tab. But it's okay. You know, it happens. So I want to jump right into, you know, scrolling, stalking your Facebook page. Uh, I found um, this pretty cool thing. You labeled it the glob from back in 2012. 40 speakers, 10,000 pounds, 80-ton crane, 80-ton crane, pure awesomeness. What is that about? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the glob was the, the name. The glob came from Eric Vogel at Brantley Sound. Um, so it's uh, this thing, Steeplechase. It's a horse race that they do in Nashville every year. Uh, it's uh, to raise money for one of the children's hospitals. Um, and uh, they used to do just like little, you know, bullhorns on a on a on little uh, towers around, and it just wasn't the aud- the aud- you know one audible. So they contacted Brantley and they came up with this like crazy, this crazy idea. And it, it, we did it one year and it worked great. Uh, the top 10 are K, uh, KF 1000s. The bottom 30 were KF 850s, uh, powered with uh, Camco V6 amps. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was, it would, it would definitely throw, uh, very intelligible and it was a lot of fun to hang. Like, Never thought like hanging speakers from a crane would be so easy, but it's much easier than normal motors. Was there any like crazy weird so, build up with it being that many so close? Like, no, because it it was it was you know a it was so high in the air, and also uh, it was just vocal. Ah, okay. Like there was never you know there was never I mean they did some music through it, but it was nothing. You know it wasn't gotcha. like it would it definitely probably be really weird if you tried to do it like a rock show with it but gotcha. yeah so speaking of that the bumper bar at the top what is that because it's completely round i mean it kind of reminiscent of the uh claire prism you know with a lot of space but that is yeah it's a, it's just the standard 850s? it's just a standard uh i can't remember what degree bars we put between but it's the standard atm bars that were used for 850s and i think it's a 40 degree or 35 degree bar that was between the t's i i I can't remember 
but like we've nothing like a kid walking into a venue and seeing a wall of 850s yes. anywhere yes like they used to have them at the metro in chicago and then they used to have them in a venue in san diego oh what was it called i'll, I'll figure it out man but holy cow a couple of the house of blues early ones had 850s yeah, yeah well, properly properly processed and properly powered man they sound they sounded good they move they move mm-hmm. a lot of air for yeah, sure. when, when I was at MSI, we had a bunch of uh, 750s and 755s, mm-hmm. um, and I had to, we used to do the Do Action Sports Tour, actually, uh, before that was called Gravity Games, but anyway, I was up in um, the winter one we did up in... Um, I remember Gravity Games. Yeah, it was, we did it up at um, uh, oh, um, Colorado, it was um, Copper Mountain. Anyway, um, and so at the top of that, at, at the top of the half pipe, um, there was a scaff tower where you know, you know, the uh, announcers and whatever would, you know, where you would you know, launch off from. At the top of that was like a DJ, and so we had to Damn. hump seven fifties up this scaff, um, you know, freaking mile yep. up or whatever. That was the first time I'd been to that altitude ever. Um, meanwhile, working at night. Uh, uh, getting the whole altitude thing, learning real quick of how much not oxygen there is, uh, or, or yeah, that was uh, yeah, seven yeah, man. Time. So, so I did the X Games in Aspen at the bottom of Sm- Snowmass at the bottom of their half pipe. I was dead. I was dead that day. And then we played some venue. It just even sounds different up there. But holy cow, yeah, eight fifties on scaff in the mountains. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so actually my very so when I got hired at Brantley Sound, the very first thing that I went and did for them was a loadout at this gig and you know, I never never touched an eight fifty before, didn't really know much about them. So go to do this loadout and the guy that actually got me on at Brantley was this guy named Rusty Cunningham. And uh so Rusty's like, Hey, I need you guys to go unstack those eight fifties over there. So it's just me and this guy Ben Sticks and we go over there and you know Neither of us knew that they were top heavy, and what it was, it was an 850 on top of a, the SB850, and so we just grabbed the bottom handles and we slide it off the front, and it tips over on the, you know, flips right over on the ground and like makes this crazy loud sound. And look over, and Rusty's just looking at us, shaking his head. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, like I just got hired by this company, and I'll never work for him again. And ended up working there for nine years. So there you go. Um, so a good a good bit of your um, career has been uh, being a system tech um, is what or you know how does mm-hmm. that um, was that something you kind of worked towards or just kind of fell into place what was what was the path to get there uh, a, a lot of monitor tech as well um, so what what's that kind of path been like for you uh, so you know that that was the one cool thing about like working for like a regional sound company was like kind of had to do everything mm-hmm. you know so. There was times where I mixed. There was times where I just flew PA. There was times where you know, just did. And sometimes I did everything, you know. And yep. so, you know, and I, I like I think everybody should have to work for a regional sound company, you know, because like you can really build up your chops. Yay! You know, Here. doing that because I mean, like you'll do some like crazy gigs <laughs> that'll make you appreciate the other twenty two hours, mm-hmm. twenty three hours, and you got to drive yep. like. Yep. Yeah, build deck. Building deck is is no joke. Yep. You know, and like, and I was really fortunate. Like, had a, a lot of great mentors there that taught me a ton of stuff, like Joe Calabrese and John Robertson, and uh, you know Eric Vogel and Rusty Cunningham. Like those guys were 
fantastic people. Uh, Tony, this guy, Tony Cooper, you know, I learned, learned a lot from those guys and, you know, and it was great. Like, you know, I, I learned that, you know, if, if I mess up, I have to, I have to own up to it and mm-hmm. figure out the problem, fix it. You know, I remember I forgot stage power one time for this gig we were doing and Joe Calabrese looks at me and just goes, figure it out. <laughs> you yeah. know? So before, before we started recording, you were talking about kind of your, your coming up history too. I thought that was cool. You know, um, what about actual like physical schooling? What have you done? So I went to Middle Tennessee State University, and what I when I started college, what I wanted to do was sound for film. Hmm. And what ended up happening was uh, there was a live there, MTSU actually has a live sound company on campus called Production Services, which is really cool. Uh, at the time, it was Robert Mogison and Craig Doman, um, and. Uh, so I started working there because you know I'm college. I need you know I need work, money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So I start working there and just kind of fell in love with doing live stuff. And um, you know the two co- the two main companies that they would uh, cross rent stuff was Spectrum Sound and Brantley Sound in Nashville. Cool. And you know just talking to Rusty Cunningham one time, you know I was like, yeah, I'd, you know I'd love to do this. And he's like, well, come you know come apply at Brantley and you know kept calling Dario there and finally gave me an opportunity, you know, and it, it worked out and I'm really, really grateful for it. Like super grateful for MTSU and, you know, Robert and Craig there. And, uh, you know, and there's, there's a lot of people that work in Nashville that, you know, that I worked there with, uh, Jim Fish Miller was there, uh, Pete Parento, you know, Mark Estrin. Uh, there's a, you know, a lot of guys out there that, that in Nashville that started at production services at MTSU. That's awesome, and and you were also heavily involved with AES. We there, you were mm-hmm. vice president and president yep. um, of your the school chapter there, right? Yep. You know, and like like one thing I'm really glad they're doing at MTSU now is they are they are having classes and stuff focused on live sound. You know, when I was there, it was all just studio stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really cool to see them start to do the kind of live stuff. Um, but yeah, AES was fantastic. I loved it. You know, it was a great way to meet people and. You know, I've, I met a lot of lifelong friends through AES. It's really nice to see a lot of different programs picking up more of the, like the live sound classes. Absolutely. Um, a few years ago when I was applying to schools, I had such a hard time just looking to try to find something that I was interested in because I didn't want to go to a studio program. Um, yeah. I'm lucky I lived close to, to Huss and to Bangor, but um, yeah, yeah. it's really nice to see it expand. Yeah, yeah, because you know, like you know, uh, Belmont, Belmont kind of started doing it before MTSU, and so you know, a lot of the, a lot of the interns and stuff we get at Sound Image right now, they're you know either MTSU or Belmont, you know, but we still get like some conservatory and some you know SAE, some of the uh, some of the other schools. It's good. Any Blackbird people yet? You yes. Blackbird yeah. Oh, yes. Academy? Yeah. Like so, Blackbirds. Like Blackbird. We'll get we'll get Blackbird people every now and then. I think that's a cool program too. Like I love John McBride. I think John's a great guy. Him and his Paragons, um, which are always imagine. great to see. You know, but yeah, and uh, Mark Rubel works mm-hmm. there. Yep. He he just re- recording engineered. That guy is insane good. In, insane. Good. Yeah, Blackbird Studios is absolutely amazing. Like if I, you know, if I was going to record a band and had a choice it would be in the and be on the you know top five places to go record a record you know and there's been a lot of great records they, made there. they work with the local production company too haven't they yeah they well so they're like blackbirds uh 
partnered with Claire Brothers, you know, because they're kind of right across the street. You know, so and it, it, you know, there, there's been you know we've we've had people at Sound Image too that have that have done the Blackbird thing, and it, it's cool. It's cool what they're doing. You know, they uh, Ernie Gonzalez does a lot of stuff. I don't know if you guys know Ernie, but he's a great guy. Uh, George Strait, you know, he's George Strait's system engineer. Awesome. Yeah, really good guy. So anyone who's done George Strait, you've uh, you've done work with the Oak Ridge Boys. <laughs> I love that. I did, man. They were they they were they're awesome guys, man. Like those guys had some hits you know and they still you know they you know they're up in their 70s and they you know you know they're not working because of the pandemic you know nobody is but like before that i mean those guys are doing 100 to 120 dates a year still Jeez. you know and they're that's what they love man and they're carrying pa uh they sometimes we would carry pa on the christmas tour but most of the time it was just board groups um you know marco hunt uh still is doing front of house for them he's been there for god probably 40 years now uh, you know, this guy Zeke took over for me doing monitors and he's been there and, you know, ever since I left in 2014 and they're, they're a good, good group of guys, you know, great band, good players, but yeah. And man, they've, 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 you know, they earned their money and they've done crazy things, you know, and what a career. So I'm curious. So someone who has gone from, um, Going from school to uh, well, more importantly, I want to go to from a regional sound company to a national sound tour company. I mean, Sound Image technically the second largest sound company in the world, right? Yeah. Um, going from a regional company to the second largest sound company in the world. What um, what differences do you see about those two worlds, either culturally? Uh, I mean, of course, there's obviously bigger gear, bigger names, but outside yeah. of that, what? Um, if someone's looking at like, hey, what's ahead of me if I'm going through a regional sound company to a tour company? Do I just want to stay at a regional sound company for the rest of my life? Is that cool? You know, what are the perks of being at a bigger? You know, like what's what's that look like? Well, you know, the one of the one of the great things about the regional sound companies is if you're somebody that's wanting to stay at home a lot mm-hmm. and be at home and be local, you know, that's a great place to be. Um, you know, and as far as sound image, you know, if you, if you want to tour and be gone a lot, that's, that's <laughs> the, that's the place to be, you know? And like, I, I, like, I love Brantley sound and I, I owe a lot to those guys. I owe a lot to Bobby Brantley he's been great, you know, and I'm still friends with him and stuff. And, you know, it just, you know, it just came a time for me to move on, you know, and I got the opportunity at, at sound image, you know, thanks to, to Mark Esther and Joe Calabrese and Everett Leibolt, you know, and, you know, I transitioned over to there and, you know. It's been it's been awesome, you know. I've been extremely fortunate and extremely lucky, and you know, I and I I, I love Sound Image. It's like Dave Shadone is an amazing human being, great mm-hmm. owner, you know, and you know he you know he he gets it and he cares, you know. I love the stories. I love Dave's stories. So, what was your first tour that you went out on your own and System Tact for? What PA for? Well, well, like, for like overall or for sound image or just your first time going out by yourself whoever it was with well my first time my first time doing pa was it was actually an eaw 760 rig uh it was chuck berry um at a casino um the the operations manager at brantley's like hey do you know how to fly a 760 rig and i was like sure and i had no idea (laughs) i went home read the manuals you know all that stuff and went out and flew it and did it and didn't mess up, didn't drop the PA, <laughs> didn't break it. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so 
you know that's what that's what uh some of our listeners need to hear you know it's like the stuff doesn't go up easy you know? no no and it's it's a give and take every time we do it. no and it doesn't you know and like also like one of the really cool things with brantley was like we were they like they were at adamson house so we had a bunch of adamson y10s and so i got to know jesse adamson you know and like and he had already started working for sound image when i moved over moved over to sound image like i love jesse he's great those are great loudspeakers. I really like those things. I use them in Texas a bunch. Adamson stuff is too. phenomenal. Like we had the like we had the E series stuff out on Imagine Dragons, and it's just phenomenal. Those those two nineteen subs are unreal. Like they're just they're phenomenal. Yeah. What was powering it? Uh, the lab group and the labs. Yep. 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 That's the ones. Yeah. That's the ones. I mean, between between the L Acoustics and the Adamson, you know, L Acoustics is my absolute favorite, but the Adamson's definitely second. Yeah. It's got a ni- nice tone to it. It does, sure. and the the like um, the the fly hardware that they put on the E series stuff is really cool. Like it goes up and comes down. I watched that video way. like twenty times. It's one of the coolest like uh, little fly videos there is out there. Yeah. Uh, so on Imagine, no, no shame, shameless plug. Yeah. On Imagine Dragons, I mean, we were doing you know audio is doing forty five, fifty minute loadouts. You know, wow. with you know four hangs. Yeah, doors closed. Yeah, you know, we were we were we were getting it done, man. You know, and like. Uh, the pizza wasn't even cold, bro. <laughs> no, but the cool but the cool thing out there was like, you know, Cameron would do stage right and Scott, the front of house guy, would go do stage right. Cool. You know. And then Jared, the monitor guy, uh, and the other guy would drop stage left and I would stand there at the truck, put covers on, and load the truck. And it was just we had a system down. And it just it worked out. I th- I think I know Jared. Didn't he work at House of Blues? He worked for Slayer for a while? No, uh Jared was from DC originally, I believe. DC, okay, never mind. Yeah. He has long so, red hair. Um, you know, uh, nah, um, wrong dude. What, was there any difference? So, Zach Brown Band, your monitor tech, Imagine Dragons, your monitor tech. Um, how drastically different or not were those worlds? And what was what was like your primary function? Like, if you had to describe to someone who doesn't know what a monitor tech is, like it's easy to say, hey, here's what a monitor engineer yeah, does. Yeah. What what's the what's the day to day of a monitor engineer? Maybe the difference between those two businesses. Those are two both two pretty big um, acts, but somewhat different genres. So I'm curious to see if there's like a difference in the pop world versus the country world there. Right. So well, with Zach, with Zach, I kind of did two roles. Like I flew stage right PA. Uh, Vic Wagner would fly stage left, and then when the PA was up, uh, like uh, I would. Jake Bartrell uh, was the was the official monitor tech but like i was the monitor tech from sound image i would like i built i built the racks and i would but i would go help you know i'd go help jake out and we'd get andy up and going on there um you know for imagine dragons i I patch the stage you get jared's world set up um you know um and but jared liked to do the rf which was nice so that's one thing i didn't have to really worry about yeah yeah so yeah but they but you know imagine dragons didn't have a ton of rf like zach brown had a ton of rf and that's what you know that's what like that's why i was you know i would you know i'd say like me and jake were co-monitor techs because jake would would like take care of all the rf because there was a lot of rf i mean there was probably 45 or 50 channels of rf right because you have like all the fiddles you have all the all the everything's wireless were you coordinating were you coordinating um RF for all the backline as well. Did you guys handle mm-hmm. all the backline RF? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Everything was all Ouch. networked. You know, on on Enrique and Pitbull, I think we were up to eighty channels between both both acts. Jeez. It was nuts. Yeah, but 
Enrique's full band, though, like full Latin band, yeah? Yep. yep. Dang, so many inputs, so many RF channels. Yeah, uh, lots of in-ear stuff, you know, but those those guys are awesome. Like, what a good band. And, like, yeah, Brad Divins out at front of house, that guy, that guy's mix is so good. Yeah, and Eddie, Ed, like, you know, I'd, I'd get, you know, I was pretty much monitor teching for Pitt, and, you know, but I would grab a, an Enrique pack and just listen to it every night, and, like, man, his... Eddie, Eddie's such a good monitor guy, you know. And even like Matt, you know, Matt Holden for Pitbull was really good, and Will, Will the front of house guy for Pitbull was really good. Both, so it was nice to like go out front and listen to stuff, you know. And even the in ear stuff was always nice to listen to. Those guys are great engineers. Yeah. So I'm curious um, to go back to kind of the system tech monitor tech ish path. Um, it, it, this isn't a job interview. Uh, where? <laughs> <laughs> Where, uh, is is that something like now that you've gotten in the groove, you're done? You know, the last I don't know what's that? I can't do math well. Um, what's that? Six, eight, almost ten years now of, of doing a monitor system tech thing. Is that where you see yourself going? Is that like um, is is that the path, or do you would you want to be mixing on tour? Like, what's it look like for you? So like I've I've mixed before. So I've, like I mixed I mixed front of house for Randy Hauser for about a year. Um, and that was awesome. Like I, I, I do love mixing. I, I really do love it, but I love being the system engineer, the front of house tech more. Like I love hanging PA, I love shooting the rooms. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a tech person. Like I like playing with gear. Yeah. You know, I like making sure I'm under an hour loadout. Yes, absolutely, man. When do you, when you yeah. get it down, man, it's you got that it's system going. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, I, I just, I like, I like the tech side of stuff. You know, and I just, I like being the system engineer. I like handing over, you know, PAs to engineers and then just going like, cool, this is awesome. You know, and them having a good experience. You know, because like, like I, like, I feel like I can, I'm a pretty decent mixer, but like there's definitely guys out there that are like way better than me. And, you know, and it's always really cool to like hand over like a really nice PA to those guys and just, yeah. just let it sing. Yeah. I, I like how over the last, and I think we've done, uh, uh, mostly Michael, but we have done a really good job at kind of talking about this, but like normalizing the idea of how important a system techs, monitor techs are, and how viable that is as a career path. And it's not just that, you know, the front of house and monitor guy. So that's why I love kind of having these conversations yeah. because like it is okay. It's not like a, hey, what are you going to do when you grow up type of thing? What, 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 what are you going to, are you going to mix front house or monitors when you grow up? No, no, no. Like that's, you know, it, it, like that system tech, monitor tech, whatever is a perfectly viable long-term route uh, mm-hmm. for, for someone to take that you could really sink in and, and grow into. Absolutely. You know, and it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, it's, it's such an important role, you know, and like, you know, it's really funny, like explaining my job to people sometimes, <laughs> you know, that don't know, because, you know, like, you know, you tell people like, oh yeah, you tour and they're like, oh cool, sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's a big party. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, I, I go in the venue at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. You know, like I set up a laser measurement system in the middle of the room and I do math for two hours. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like the, you know, it's like the speakers don't hang themselves. You know, like you got <laughs> to figure that stuff out, you know, and, you know, it, and it's long days, you know, but I, but I love it. I like I and like that's why last year was so weird. You know, I absolutely missed it. And it was. It was such a weird because I'm so used to being busy that it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I've never spent so much time at my house. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, I think like any 
any you know because like you know like a, a guitar tech a good guitar tech is important a good drum tech is important mm-hmm. like any good tech on anything anything on touring is important yeah you know because and, it's, and you know and it's and it's really amazing like when you have a good tech and a good engineer that get along together like and i've been really fortunate about that to like work with like really cool people and we all get along you know and like and i love it when a front house guy tells me what he wants you know that's why I like like I was supposed to like was supposed to do Keith Urban uh, with Kirk Kelsey, and like one thing I love about Kirk is like he knows exactly what his curve he wants his curve to look like, you know. And like for a front house guy to tell me that is huge because then I know what to look for and how to tune the PA, you know, and hopefully sure. get it to where where he wants. So I'm I'm curious the difference between what was the curve on Zach Brown versus the curve on Imagine Dragons. Well, I mean, they were two totally different PAs. Sure. You know, so, but like, well, all right. Well, then, how about the philosophy? But the, regardless of, of two totally different PAs, there still has to be a philosophy approach from a the front the front of house person and or just maybe genre specific. Was if you notice like country versus pop kind of being you know d- d- different there. Although, I mean, I don't know. Nowadays, country is freaking it's glorified pop rock with a little bit of twang. I mean. No, I don't think there's really a difference because, you know, like at the end of the day, like you want the PA to be as full range as possible and to sound good as possible. I mean, you want you want good low end, you want mm-hmm. good high end, um, you know, and it's just it's it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out like, you know, like on Imagine Dragons. Yeah, you're you're going to need more low end on something like Imagine Dragons than you than you would for something like Zach Brown. But you necessarily wouldn't take less PA because of that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, and, and, I, and it's all and it's all mixer dependent too. You know, yeah. like you could have you could have you know the same band and have three different front of house guys come in with a certain amount of time and like their curves are going to be totally different. Like they might EQ the PA totally different. You know, there there's stuff that they you know don't want, don't like. You know, and like. But I, I love it when a like a front of house guy's like, I don't like this. What's this? Can we do this? You know, because mm-hmm. it's like that's that's you know that's my job yeah. as system engineers to fix it to make them happy. When so you, what have you done over COVID? Oh, sorry. No, go for yeah. it. Uh, well, what what have you done over COVID? I played a lot of golf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me and me and my buddies Mike Babcock and Ben Moffat, we we've played golf quite a bit. Um, which has been nice. Mike's legend. It's been nice. Um, but you know, I, uh, I, I did, I did the unemployment thing for a few months. Um, you know, hoping, hoping stuff would come back and it never did. And, uh, you know, so then like Keith Urban did two, we did two things last year. We did like a drive in thing and then we did a thing for Amazon. Um, and after the Amazon thing, I, uh, uh, I was fortunate enough to like not have to go back on unemployment. Uh, Chance over at PRG called me, and uh, there is a, a church called Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee, that actually purchased a stage line stage uh, and set up in the field next to their church. And uh, for about three and a half months, every weekend uh, we would go deploy a K2 rig, and you know did that, and that gave me three and a half months of work. Um, which I was like totally grateful for. It was awesome. And then when that ended, I had to get a real job. (laughs) 
yeah, because I just I didn't want to go back on unemployment again because it's such a it's such a pain in the butt in, in Tennessee and it's just so many hoops to jump through. So my buddy Mike Babcock was uh, working at Lowe's and he's like, you know, he's like the manager here is really cool. Yeah, and he's like he's the yeah. manager's like super cool. So come, you know, come talk to him or you know apply here. So I'm like okay. So I applied at Lowe's and and you know eventually got hired and you know they've been they've been super cool because like I've been fortunate enough to start doing shows the last couple of weeks. All right, all right, hold on. So, Chris, are you, are you on TikTok at all? No. Damn it. All right, all right. We'll get you. On, I need, we need to get you on TikTok. So Kyle works at Home Depot, and we need to do like yeah. like a duet thing Garden of like <laughs> like Lowe's versus Home Depot like duet thing at each other like between Kyle Please, and Chris like that Battle would be the hardware stores. <laughs> I'm down. I'll wear my apron. You wear your apron. Oh <laughs> man, that's hilarious. Yes, yeah. So well, because like, so Mike Babcock works there at the one I'm at. And I know there's a couple of sound image guys that are working at other Lowe's around Nashville. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Chaz who works in tools. He's like Gabby Barrett's bass player. So it's you know, but it's cool. Like they like the like the people there. They like I you know I told him I was like hey. Like if shows come up, I I got to go do them, and they're like, okay, you know, we'll work with you. I, I imagine a town like Nashville, uh, people are going, employers are going to understand that more so than you know, I don't know, uh, Middle America or somewhere else. Well, I guess Nashville's Middle America, but you know what I mean. Well, you'd you'd be Easy. you'd be surprised. So, sorry, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> Midwest is best, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be surprised because like I like like so when the Church of the City thing ended, I just started applying for tons of jobs and mm. did a few interviews and there was one that i really wanted to do and it was a you know inventory it was doing inventory for like a hospital like mm. and um so i went and interviewed and they were really cool but they wanted me to sign a two-year commitment oh wow and i was like i can't do that you know i was like a i don't know if i'm gonna like the job right you know and then i was like b i was like you know i'm like if you know if i get a phone call going hey uh, Rage Against Machines starting in you know a few weeks. You know, want to go? I mean, I'm, I'm I can't say no to that. Yeah. You know, it's like Sound Image calls me and goes, "Hey, you know, X, Y, and Z tour going out. Like, can you do it?" It's like, yes. You know, I'm gonna go do it because that's that's what I love. You know, so, but I kind of understand it from their point too. You know, they were wanting somebody to be there. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so tough. Like, it. I, I, um, you know, so I, you know, I, you know, part of my job as a director of operations right now, like I hire I hire freelancers all the time, and um, you know, I have one or two of my freelancers, like one of them in particular, you know, he he had he had to take up a job working on a horse farm, right? Um, yeah. And uh, you know, you could re- replace that with any job, Lowe's, Home Depot doesn't matter. Which, by the way, uh, you made a comment of like how to get a real job. I want to change that narrative. This isn't your fault. You know, everyone on Facebook <laughs> talking about get a real job. What? I think as an industry, we should call. We had to go get fake jobs while we waited for our real jobs to return. This right? is I'm true. Gonna, this I'm gonna, is I'm gonna change. I'm gonna start a chain and, and change that narrative. But that's Chris. That's I've said that. The great shift. I've too. said that so many yeah. times. So, uh, but like, so, but here, but here's like the big. Here's like the big difference to me is, you know, like, like I, I love, I love the people that work at Lowe's, or who, you know, who all, who all the other employees at Lowe's. Like they're fantastic human beings. Yeah, screw Home Depot. It's the public, and I'm sure and I'm this, sure it's the same thing. I'm sure it's the same thing at Home Depot though. But the but the public, like it's there's people come in there that are that are complete assholes, you know. And it's like, and I do I do I I do the same thing. It's humbling to see, you know, uh, 
the the people that work there because they are really cool. Yeah. Like, most of them are older. Yeah. Like I've um, learned, like I've learned cust- a ton about plumbing and electrical. Like I mean, I knew a lot about electrical, but like like lighting fixtures, but but plumbing. Bro, I got outdoor power on <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> yeah. DeWalt, yeah. Ryobi. Yeah, you know, but like, well, like somebody, somebody was kind of like, "Well, what do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, like, you know, on tour, I'm like, if if like a stagehand or someone in the general public is being an asshole, I can be like, yeah, I can tell them to fuck off." You know, I can't exactly do that <laughs> at Lowe's. You know, I can't tell some you guy that's, fight nobody. that's yelling at me because we don't <laughs> carry, uh, you know, a, a stem cartridge from a faucet that was built in 1935. You know, it's like. But see what you learned. You knew what a, a stem. I don't know what is. You've learned. Oh yeah. It. Well, that, and that's the cool it. thing. Like the Lowe's I work at, like the, the 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 plumbing guys there are fantastic. Like they know they know so much stuff. It's crazy like joe and david they're like they're awesome and i don't feel alone anymore chris <laughs> good thank good, you yeah good. no well all right but here, here's where i wanted to go before i talk about the whole real fake thing um i'm curious from your perspective chris because you're you're dealing with this um so my buddy for instance who are the guy i hire often um you know i i call him every now and text him hey you available for this bill for this like now nah, man you know we got we got this coming up i'm you know and him and i had a frank conversation he's like look he's like um you know, since I've had to make this transition to a fake job, I'm see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, there you go, I like I'm it, going I like it. to a fake job. Um, the problem is he can't pick up a little work here and there without there being enough to just completely leave because then he's gonna lose his fake income and not enough yeah. of the real income. Wow. Right. Uh, and I'm very curious to see the percentage of our industry that like so we talk about um, we talk about how there's gonna be a great flood of work that's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm very curious to see like a the cutthroatness of like everyone trying to come back, and then you know how long is that work going to last? So you left your fake job to come back, but then what? Like for instance, there's going to be a bunch of outdoor summer festivals happening this summer. No one knows, and I'm just being realistic. No one knows what's going to happen this fall and winter. Right. Yep. So big if, asteroid, big asteroid, uh, <laughs> money on a big asteroid. So you know, if if there's not enough to work for whatever reason, sustained in the, in the fall and, uh, and and winter, and people have left to go do all this summer work, I don't know. Have you had to? I mean, you're already dealing that almost already of of when when can you officially leave your fake job to go back to your real job? I mean, re- like realistically, like I could do it now. But I'm not doing it because, like, I don't know what's going to happen after August. Right. You know, and, like, and like I know I know everybody's talking about 2022, which is, you know, fine, you know. And but depressing at the same time. It is. It is. But I, 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 I've, I've heard there's stuff down, down the pipe, you know, for, for some fall stuff possibly. Um, so it's just, it's one of those things, like, every, everybody's going to have to play it by ear. You know, and, you know, and I hope, I hope it doesn't like become super cutthroat, you know, and, you know, and like I know, I know, I know Dave Shadone was pretty, pretty worried about like people coming back. Um, Cause I went up and did an install with him up in Ohio a couple months ago and he brought that up to me and, and you know, and like, and I get it, like, man, being the owner of a company, like I can't, I can't imagine like worrying about something like the that hits keep coming you know? 
Yeah, the just the but hits like, keep you know, but it's like but like I told him, I'm like, I'm I'm coming back, you know, like this is that's this is what I love, like this is what I signed up for. This you is your real job. Yes, this is my real job. <laughs> and uh you know, and I you know, there there's gonna be some people that don't come back and I know a few people that aren't coming back and it, and it sucks, you know, but you know, at the end of the day you have to do what's best for you. You know. I wonder if we have to be jumped out if we don't come back. Like Gang style. <laughs> it's no, interesting you know, to hear uh, yeah, it, this conversation happen just because like I'm graduating in less than a month and going into this industry and I don't have I don't know what's gonna happen, you know. Um but I'm I'm definitely determined because, you know, this is my passion and I know a lot of us feel the same way that But see know, that that's that's exactly the attitude people need to have, you know, yeah. and that's like you know, and I think coming coming out of COVID is a perfect time for a lot of the young people to step up and prove themselves and, you know, yeah. show show everybody the what they're made wave. of, you know, because, you know, like they're like, I know, I know a ton of like young people at Sound Image that are, you know, are going to be fantastic engineers and we're going to be really good, you know, if they stick it out, you know, and it's, you know, it's just, and, but, you know, it's going to, I think COVID is going to show you know, show how good a lot of the people actually are, you know, and give, and it's going to give opportunities for a lot of people that I don't think would have got them, uh, you know, prior to COVID. Yeah, for sure. My prediction is that we all should buy fence companies. (laughs) (laughs) That's my, since we're living in the future in this episode, my prediction is we should just buy fence companies because everyone's going to be renting fence. You're going to have to walk through like, Disney World yeah, to get yeah. to Space Mountain to get to every show <laughs> for the next ten years. I'm gonna buy a lot of fence. If you guys are in on it, let me know. So should it be fencing or should it fence. just be a lot of rope and stanchion? <laughs> rope and stanchion, <laughs> fencing, like rope. barricade yeah, bike done. Rack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bike rack done. So well, so speaking of bike rack and barricade, you, you've actually been doing some some socially distant shows um, at the caverns. Mm-hmm. Just yep. outside of Nashville, so talk talk about talk about some of that work. Uh, so that's been really cool. Uh, so the guy that owns the property is this guy Todd Mayo, and uh, you know that they've been doing a ton of sh- you know be- pre you know before COVID they were doing a ton of shows actually in the cave there. There's a stage with PA and lighting and stuff, and they do bluegrass underground and they do some PBS specials and stuff down there. And oh, super hippie! Yeah, it's really, it's a really, really cool place. And you know, when COVID hit, they had this shut down, and so uh, they got the idea to excavate the side of a mountain there and turn it into an amphitheater. So they actually, you know, tiered off the side of this mountain. Um, And we last fall we did four nights at Jason Isabel, and it was phenomenal. It was so cool. It was a, it was really cool because I got to do a show. Um, you know, and not only that with Jason Isabel, who is an amazing artist. Um, so that was really fun. And then, you know, so they, they had, they had mentioned at the time that they might do shows later on. Uh, so, you know, springtime came around, well, late fall came, or wait, late winter came around and, uh, Danny Poland, who was the production manager for it, called me and goes, Hey, they're going to start doing some shows down there. And I'm like, cool. And they, they, they have big plans for that area. Like, I think eventually they're going to try to put in a permanent stage and a permanent roof. Um, but right right now, I think it's a mountaintop and Gallagher staging. Uh, 
down there, four walls doing the lights and sound mm-hmm. is doing the audio. And yeah, we're we're doing uh shows every weekend uh through August right now. You know, and we've had we've done five weeks, five weekends so far. It's awesome. It's been great. Everybody cool. loves it. You you did you did one of the first ones though. You did one of the drive in shows like mid like dead middle COVID. We did it right? like the first part of May last year. Uh it was with Keith Urban. Yep. Um, yeah, so live, cause we did, live Nation. they did Nelly here. Yeah, nice. they did Nelly here. So I remember I was like, was that the same Live Nation drive-in thing? Yeah. Yeah, it was. They did like three, three sta- cities or something like that. I forgot. Well, we, so the one Keith did was kind of like a test thing and it was something Live Nation was doing for all the first responders. Cause everybody there was all, yep. You know, either firefighters or police, or or or, or a lot of them were uh, from uh, nurses and doctors from Vanderbilt, McDonald's um, drive-through workers. So, <laughs> those were like the only yeah. people working. Yeah, and you know, first responders. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a horrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> I did eat a lot lot of Big Macs during COVID though, because drive-through is essential. It is. It is. You know, and. But you know, it it was cool. Like, uh, did you guys do the separate decks thing where everyone had their own little separate pod that they were in? So for the drive, so we did it at a drive-in movie theater. So everybody kind of had to stay in their car, uh, or 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 in the little square. Like they 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 had they 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 mapped off the parking spots, and you had to stay within a certain little area of your of your car. On there, yeah, because that was dead in the middle of COVID. That was, like it was I think it was right like May time, May June. Did you guys do a FM transmission with that as well, or was it just PA? We did, we did, we did. Like so, we did a flatbed trailer with K two stacked on it, um, and then when the K two started to drop off, that's kind of where we delayed the FM two. I was supposed to uh, ask you if we did because that's of... about that's about all you can do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah, it's it's tough to figure out like where you know because like Roz Roz Jones was on that with me and he's like we're sitting there talking like what should we delay the FM to and it's like I don't know and did you walk out there at all to hear like what it was like to hear in a car and, and the PA and all I mean so Roz got his car and we figured out a spot <laughs> and Roz drove his car to the spot um, we pulled like a three hundred foot mic cable out there and we you know. You know, time aligned from the PA to his car. That's awesome, <laughs> right there. You know, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be the spot because I mean, like, it it, w- it would never be perfect, anyways. You know, yeah. for anybody. Yeah. But like when I like during the show, I was walking around and like almost everybody was out of their cars, anyways. So yeah, you know, even the back, That's you could still hear it. You know, it just wasn't in your face, but you can't really do anything when you have a ground stacked PA like that. You know, if we could, if we were able to fly it, it would have been fine, but. You know, at that time it was like fat, you know, cheap and fast. So, so I'm I'm curious. You said just in general you like the tech side of thing, but like if you could say like what what brings you the most satisfaction out of doing the work that you're doing specifically, um, like you know, catering. <laughs> what um what what specifically uh, like if you tomorrow uh, you could go out and do a thing. Uh, what would that thing be? Uh, just like go hang a big PA and tune it in an arena. I mean, that's that's what I want to do. I want to go hang 
a ridiculous size rig in an arena and just make sure the coverage from the front seat all the way up to the back seat, you know, the back seat in the very back is just perfect. Cool. So if we, if we, if we, uh, if we came to Nashville right now, uh, where, where, where are you taking us to eat? Ooh. Um, what kind of food do you like? No, 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 no. Ah, where are you? you where is your spot? Where are you taking us to eat? My spot. Uh, or if that's too difficult, if well, if the, on the tour, thing if, is, Nashville is such a foodie town. There's like literally yeah. so All many right. good places. All right, flip it. it on tour. What's the most amazing place you've eaten on tour? Oh, that's a really tough question. That's what we do here. Uh, most amazing. <laughs> Heavy TL was mine because they had a, a, a prosciutto wheel. Was this big oh, man. piece of meat, and you just had a shaver, and you could shave off as much as you want on a plate. It was in Montreal. It was dope. I remember that one. Man, I'm trying to. It's my 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 go to answer. Well, I mean, like, so one of my so one of my absolute favorite places to eat is actually in Toronto, Canada. Uh, there's a little sushi place in a strip mall, um, and you walk in, and it's like this old Japanese dude in there, and like, well, like the first time I ever went in there, um, I'm trying to remember what hotel we were staying at. It's right there on the lake. It's right down from the amphitheater, but there's like a little strip mall across from it, and uh, I walked in there and. Like, so the, the guy made the, like I sat at the bar and he made the rolls for the guy next to me and then he made my rolls. And then he walked in the back and walked through the door with a full fish, plopped it down right there and started cutting up a fresh fish. And that's when I was like, okay. Cause at first I was like, ah, oh, I was like, this is kind of pricey. But then when I saw him doing that, I'm like, okay. And then I ate it and it was Worth yeah, it. Dude, absolutely. I had a, I had a very similar uh, experience when I was in Australia. Um, I was in Melbourne, and we, you know, same thing. Trying to find, we we're find a, trying to find a sushi place, and found this place kind of pricey. I'm like, eh, all right, whatever. Uh, I mean, when you're on tour, you just do things because, like, you know, it's yeah. you know, it's you know, once lifetime chances sometimes, right? go to this place and it was we did the thing where we all set up at the bar and it's like um they sometimes call it like um suicide by chef or whatever like basically like you it's it's the the chef uh, picks what you're going to eat all night like you just you don't have a choice like it's your deal all night your appetizers your your whatever and um and uh and it, it was it was a ama- it was amazing so like first off we got like a sashimi um bowl and the sashimi bowl came and this um it was like an ice sculpture it was like an ice globe and inside like the cool. ice globe was our sashimi with like a little like flake of gold in there right and like each of us had that right and then like he keeps serving us all this stuff stuff that i would have never actually picked which yeah. is what like the best part right then similar experience to the fish is uh Another table um, apparently ordered a lobster, and so there's a tank behind him. You literally see him pull out the lobster, <laughs> cut the lobster right in front of you, right you know, and starts doing whatever he does to the lobster tail. Mind you, the front of the lobster is still alive, right? And they specifically put put the front of the lobster on the plate. He does his whole thing, prepares the back end of the lobster. Puts it in front of the lobster so that when he serves it to you, the still alive lobster with his back half cut off is watching you eat himself while you eat the lobster. 
right? I saw this on Faces of Death. And, and like, wow. and, and like, I'm taking no, like some kidding. video and pictures of it because we thought it was so cool. And he's like, "Oh, yeah. you know, you guys are from PETA, are you?" We're like, "No, no, no." He's like, "Okay, cool, cool." <laughs> but it's it's when I learned that apparently in Japan um, they'll take sushi chefs. And they will literally pay to relocate them around the world. So I'm mm-hmm. willing to bet your dude in, in Toronto oh, yeah, yeah, was absolutely. like paid to get relocated from, yeah. I don't know, whatever the sushi industry is in Japan because they want to keep sushi yeah, live yeah. and well around the world. It was mind-blowing that like that. And he was like, yeah, I got to choose. I could come to Melbourne. I could go to this place, this place. He's like, I chose Melbourne. And I was like, that is fucking awesome anyway so that yeah, was yeah. A, my similar sushi experience so. do you know do you know chris carter stage manager mm, i don't think so uh so he's a stage manager for zach brown uh okay. band he was he was sta- he was like stage manager for justin timberlake for a while um so on on imagine dragons we had a day off and uh uh for cincinnati and he lives in cincinnati and uh, me and J Dot, who's the stage manager for Imagine Dragons, we met Chris at this place called Mister Sushi that's in Cincinnati. Mm. And like Chris, like knows the 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 guy there, like the sushi chef, and he was making the stuff that wasn't on the menu, and it was it was one of those like I don't want to know what this is, but I'm going to eat it, and it was all yeah, and then like I all amazing. I can still taste and feel the texture of how good that shit was like that sashimi was the best sashimi i've ever had in my life like it's it's a memory that just implanted into me so anyway oh man i'm still hungry (laughs) a whole bag of starburst i had a sandwich fries and you're still talking about food i'm still hungry (laughs) uh hannah you you got a question before i ask the uh the big the big grand big grand question no you can go ahead all right oh man Nah, it's, is it time it's, to get nervous? Is it, is it, is it time to get nervous? I don't know. I stumped you with the food thing, so we'll see where this goes. Okay. Uh, no, just what? What was the last good Metallica album? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, actually, I so apparently Dave Grohl uh, is putting out. I don't know if you've seen um, this documentary uh, yes. about like bands and vans or something like that, right? And the trailer it's talking about like every good band has has done their pay their time in vans before they're gone on, and they're interviewing in the promo. It's uh, it's Lars, or he's part of the promo. Yeah, he's yeah, like, I, I saw like, the trailer. He's like, I uh, uh, just so you yeah. know, I've never been in a van, so can we, can we, can we never tour in a van? Can we stop, stop the interview or something like that? You know, and it keeps <laughs> going by, and I, I responded back to my buddy who said to me, I'm like, yeah, f you, Lars. No one cares that you never toured in a van, and it shows. But anyway, yeah. um, and Rand. yeah, and I, I love, like, I love Dave Grohl. Like that, that was one cool thing on Zach Brown was like, you know, all these crazy people would come hang out at shows. Like John oh, yeah. Mayer would come hang out. Well, and, he, like, he also does all the covers too. Yeah, yeah. So like, so you know, so like Dave Grohl would come like hang out at shows because like him and Zach are like best friends, and it's and it, it's cool. Like Dave's yeah. like such a nice dude. Uh, yeah, I, I had a great encounter with him myself. I was in Korea, South Korea. And we did an outdoor festival. Was it? Yeah. And uh, he saw me wearing a Voivod t-shirt. Nice. Uh, Canadian metal yeah, band. Yeah. And he was like, dude, one of my favorite bands. And I think one of the, their production assistants was a friend of mine. He was like, oh, this is Kyle, blah, blah, blah. And he sat there and talked about Voivod for 30 minutes <laughs> in a, an Asian country. Yeah. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, like. Good dude. I've, I, the, the few the few encounters I've had with him have always been he's always been super cool and like all the stories I've heard from people like, have always been like I've heard all, all these great stories you know D- Dave Grohl interactions like I think that's gonna be like 
a thing one day. There's going to be like a doc- documentary See? of just Dave Grohl interactions. Yeah. Fencing company. Dave Grohl interactions YouTube yeah. channel. We got this. Chris. Well, like, did you ever did you ever oh, see man. the the documentary some dude did about Bill Murray about how he just goes around Charleston, South Carolina, doing crazy stuff? Mm-mm. Like, it's gonna yeah. be like that. He's a Cubs like, fan. I don't listen to him anymore. Like, like, like Bill Murray like lives in Charleston, and he like he'll go up to somebody in a restaurant and pick up their hamburger and take a bite of it and go, no one will ever believe you, and like walk away and. You know, he'll nice. photobomb weddings and, you know, he'll just show up at house parties. You know, he'll show up at bars and bars. He's a Cubs fan. And, yeah. I can't handle that. Yeah. All right. So the, the 2021 <laughs> question that I've been asking, um, yeah. it's, a, it's an introspective question. So if you could define your legacy or how you would want to be known, how would, how would you define that? Uh, I would just want to be known as a hard worker and a good dude. You know, like just you know remember you know i want to be known for being a good system engineer and a good hang and yeah literally just doing the best best job possible awesome yeah and you know yeah i think that's that that'd be good enough for me yeah that's great cool well chris thank you for hanging with us really appreciate it thanks for doing this man this is awesome yeah. And uh, this went pretty well, so maybe we don't yeah. need Michael back. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So we'll see. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, like I, you know, I, I'll ask for Wednesday nights off if if you need me to. So. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs>